Well, hello, Date Nighters, Mission Bible Fam and FTG audience. It's almost turkey time, which means beautiful Brie will be eating cold turkey and cranberries for like a week. Oh, turkey sandwiches with cranberries. Those are the best. I don't get that one. I really don't. Seriously, the best. All the leftovers from Thanksgiving, the turkey with sourdough, cold cranberry nah, sauce. I'm not feeling oh, it. Oh, so good. But I love your mom's stuffing. I'd eat that for a week. For but sure. then I'd look like the stuffing. Oh, so. my handsome turkey. Oh, gobble, gobble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've got so much to get through. A fun episode on something every parent deals with. Yes. If we love Christ, his church, and our kids, we want them to be in worship with us and enjoy church. But that's way easier said mm-hmm. than done. Because every child is different, including their age, stage, developmental level, and Every church is different. What's expected in congregational settings, children's ministries, nurseries, and even the cry rooms and all that. So it is helpful to have a good game plan going in. How should our kids behave in church? How can we help them act respectfully? And even then it won't be perfect. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about kids, church, faith, and all the questions that come with it. Love it. You ready, my love? Yes. All right. Gobble, gobble. Okay, here we go. Okay, I've got a disclaimer, but mm. are we going to keep Ricky and Lucy? I think so. You think so? Yeah. She's like a little... like a theme. Okay. Usurpy. <laughs> yes. She is. It kind of goes against gets, the whole idea yes, of submission. Yes, it gets this rile in me. I don't like oh, it. Yeah, right. I listen we'll to, to it. Change it. <laughs> All right. One disclaimer would be, we are so blessed to have the children we do, but we are far from perfect parents, and we certainly had and have challenging moments with the kiddos and church. That is true. That's a good disclaimer. I do remember one Sunday, one of our kids refused to enter the nursery to the point you came and got me after preaching first hour, and I climbed in that hot minivan with my (laughs) suit jacket on uh, for some uh, loving chastisement and then had to walk back and preach. It was sweaty. That was life. Yeah, that was a good couple months at Mm. least. And it wasn't for lack of trying. We were diligent with discipline. We'd set order in the home. Even blanket training was going well. But there are times where church showed the areas we still needed to improve. Yeah, and I think what can make church tantrums or misbehavior embarrassing is these are the people we love and respect the most. Mm -hmm. You know, the people who agree with us on God's will for our kids and who want to help and support, and we see them the most often. So it's like Sunday's the big game, and sometimes we have a win. Other times it feels like we've let the team down, but certainly that's not how it actually is because everyone who's ever had a toddler knows the experience and the challenges and how that feels. Totally. Like it's less embarrassing to have a meltdown at the gas station on vacation, (laughs) you know, with people we won't see again compared to people we see weekly. That's so true. Just in case there's anyone out there who's thinking you've got it bad. My mom is an incredible woman. Seriously, Mm -hmm. anyone you meet will tell you how wonderful she is, but she had a real winner of a son. Okay. (laughs) One Sunday, the deacon wife comes out and she's like, Hey, you know, Carol, you may want to head out front and check on your boy, you know, and She saw the concern in the lady's face, so she rushed out the front door to the big steps near the church sign, and to her horror, and it's like in one of those old school churches where like you have the big steps, and everyone's going up and down on their way in and out, and then there's her little boy, he's got his pants down, and he had to go, and he's just wee-weeing all over the steps. Oh, bless her heart, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine having to put up with a guy like that? Can't fathom. Uh, All to say, if you're listening, and you've had a few setbacks with your kids uh, in the church dynamic, join our club, and make sure you listen to the discipline and chastisement episodes we've done just to make sure there is order in the home, like Brie mentioned, which really becomes the backbone for everything else that we'll talk about today. May I add one more disclaimer? Sure. This episode isn't about salvation, but church attendance, and though the two are intricately linked, they are not one in the same. And it's possible for a child to spend their entire childhood in church and still not follow Christ. So 
it's important that we're very measured in how we help our kids evaluate their profession of faith, the fruits of the Spirit, and biblical assurance. That's really good because we want to be wary of a more Roman Catholic view of the church where being involved in sacraments, you know, like the church and baptism and all that is the guarantee of heaven. And we've versions of that in evangelical culture, Christianity today, where kids grow up in church, they vote conservative, they've walked the aisle, prayed the prayer, and then they assume and quote that they're Christian. And we did an episode on that, we right? We did. And if anyone wants to dig deeper, listen to that episode. I believe it was called Helping Kids Diagnose Salvation. And it was earlier this year, I'm thinking April, Mayish. Um, and on that note, this is why we're so careful about baptism age at Mission Bible Church. Um, we urge parents wait until the children have reached independence, and that's subjective, you know, 16, 17, 18, whatever. But the idea is allowing the child or now the young adult to stand in the baptistry when they give their profession. And they're saying, this isn't daddy's faith. This isn't mommy's faith. This isn't just because I'm raised as a part of a faith community and wanted to fit in. This is me. And when I'm out with my friends, I'm on my own. I'm driving my car. I'm on my college campus. I'm alone with my phone. I live to please Christ. And it's really in those late teen years that a young person comes to clarify uh, or to clarity on their heart condition. Amen. Can I add a disclaimer too, actually, on that note? This is a little bit of a warning. Note our assumption here in this podcast is that you, every date nighter around the world, you want your kids in congregational context. And we know there are different models of church along the spectrum, all the way from fully integrated where there's no kids ministry at all to mega churches that have like a youth ministry smack dab in the middle of Sunday morning. This pod isn't about the church you attend. So we're going to steer clear of most of that, except to say that a parent's goal and a true church's goal should be to have children involved in corporate worship. So if you're a part of a church that segregates all the way from like, you know, elementary, then youth and even high school or college students off into a separate building for some light devotion, pizza and basketball, like why corporate worship's going on on a Sunday morning, the stats suggest there's little chance that they're ever going to grow to love the church in large part because they don't really know the church. They were never fully integrated in a part of it growing up. So good. Okay. My love, let's keep this real simple. Three ways, if we can do it in three, might be more, three ways to sit through church. And this has been kind of your area of focus because I was typically up preaching on Sundays. So why don't you go ahead and take us through them? Okay. Yes, it probably will be more than three. But big point number one would be accept that each child is unique. And I think this is one of those, you know, duh things that almost is so obvious we don't see it. And that works with one child often won't work with another. Or the amount of time it takes to train one child, another may require a ton more. And there's a number of birth order books um, that talk about this. The most well-known is by Kevin, I think, Lehman. And it's mostly secular analysis. So we don't need to place much stock in it, but it does provide us insight into how children can be unique based on where they're born and how they develop in a family, especially when there's more than two kiddos. And we've seen this with one child who's meticulous, another who's compassionate, and another who is now tending to be more autonomous um, and independent. And then once contextualization gets added, say our family moves or changes churches or schools, or even for many of the littles now, the COVID shutdowns, that all has an impact on how they interface with church. Totally. This may sound silly, but with each child, we need to reassess all the basics. Just because one was able to leave the nursery by age three doesn't mean the next one can. Or just because one child can sit in the front row and take notes by age five doesn't mean another won't have a tantrum in sermon. And that's true in Sunday school or VBS too, where one child may be fine for blanket training by 18 months, 
while another can't last more than 10 minutes or one child helps lead the class while another gets you called out. The dreaded text message or even worse, the small number on the screen with the infamous oh, walk of shame. That's such a mega church thing. You know, the small number on the screen as if that isn't distracting for everyone sitting there watching the preacher. And then when the poor woman has, I had the most precious mom find me last Sunday Aww. and she said, I don't know if you noticed this. She came up, she waited in line. She said, I'm so sorry for leaving the past two weeks. I got the walk of shame text. What did you tell her? <laughs> I said, do better. Come on, everyone else is no, nailing it. No, you didn't. I told her, I said, I really didn't notice, but even if I did, we've all been there. And I, I said, you know, Brie and I totally get it. I remember one time I even had to address because you were bringing um, two of the little ones later and I had, you know, another one in there or something like that. And I had to actually address one of the children from the pulpit mid-sermon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I remember way, that. Way to go, dad. You're nailing it. <laughs> what I want other mamas to hear. You know, there may be a perfect family, but we haven't met them. Mm -hmm. And most of us have got back to the minivan, soaked in sweat, tears gushing, mascara running, sitting on old Cheerios and smelling like wet diaper moments. (laughs) Where do the Cheerios come from? I don't know. You clean it, a day goes by and there's more of those dry particles mashed up in all the cracks. Now it's puffs. So So number one, is that even food? That's like space age material. It's like a communion cracker. So number one is understanding each child's uniqueness and knowing the workload will need to adjust accordingly so church can be a joyful place for that child, you and everybody else. Yes, which leads to number two, each child should know the game plan. And I'll pick on myself here. I think because of how fast the pace is for a mom, sometimes I forget that just because I have a picture of what my kids should be doing, I've never explained that picture to them, Mm. which is why I call it a game plan because every team has a time in practice where they study over the plan. And even if that plan changes in the game, at least they took the field with something. Yeah, they knew what they were trying to do. Totally. I love when you use sports analogies. Oh my. (laughs) This isn't something big and fancy because a three or four year old can't handle that. But just the basics where all week we're practicing on the blanket or breakfast time, self-control and what it means to color quietly or whisper in a respectful manner. So just like practice for a team, you know, you daily explain the plan and then daily practice the plan. So they're learning Monday to Friday kind of what they should be doing on Sunday. Absolutely. And sitting them down at the table for 20 minutes, coloring a Bible story, then explaining church time is honoring God time. And he's watching how we respect him along with something like, you know, daddy will be telling people about Jesus and we never want to stop anyone from hearing the good news. Let me ask on behalf of the listeners there, what if they the children don't understand anything yet. Like they're, they're too little and they understand sitting on a blanket and being quiet, but like the songs and the sermon and all the information that comes on a Sunday morning. I think that's okay. I still don't understand every word you use, (laughs) (laughs) but Proverbs talks about the foolishness bound up in the heart of a child. So the goal isn't to take all the little fools and have them constantly around other little fools. They need to be around mature Christians, you know, observing how they talk and pray and listen and fellowship and especially how they fear God, because that's just the beginning of wisdom. That is so good. Like where else ever in society do we put a bunch of, of, of small people or younger people, immature people in a room together to just simply learn from one another without somebody guiding them, mm. you know? And it's true that children that grow up in adult situations with mentorship and, and diligence and somebody providing that, 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 that wisdom to pour down will generally speaking be more apt to ask questions and seek clues from context and mature. I still think one of the blessings that Ethan had, our oldest, was being a part of the church plant because all he ever knew about church from like age four was meeting with adults, praying with adults, setting up with adults and helping care for babies alongside the adults. Totally. There's a reality to the expression, kids live up to expectations. Mm. So if we baby them, they'll often become baby-like, whereas if we expect them to figure out concepts, they typically will. And a big encouragement here for parents who in principle are excited to integrate their children but haven't done the proper prep work, if you don't prepare them, 
train them, make sure they're ready. It may be a setback where they spin out of control, where you're entirely focused on, you know, shushing them and everyone around you is distracted. That's not the child's fault. It's ours for mm-hmm. not doing the prep work. So just make sure they're able to sit self-controlled in smaller contexts before placing them in the pew. That is really good because you can hear a podcast like this. And we've actually had this happen before where people get really fired up because they'll listen to some beautiful truth from Vodi or somebody and immediately it's like, okay, I got to take my kids and I got to put them in the sanctuary. And then that kid becomes a massive distraction and it really does become a setback and, and discouraging for them. So prepare them at their level for what Sunday is, what it's for and what's expected of them. And then make sure that they can reiterate and you know, to the best of their ability, why it's important and then give them a chance to sit in. That's so good. My love. Love it. Big point. Number three would be bring special church activities. This is generally for kids ages, you know, two through six, because by first or second grade, they should be able to take some notes of the sermon or at least draw if they're a bit bored but for the younger ones save certain coloring books you know special crayons and even special bible story books or scripture memory cards in a small pack which only comes out during sermon time love it and stay away from glues that was something that helped us <laughs> pencil sharpeners scissors or anything else that glue child- like sticky glue yeah. anything that can get stuck all over the church pew is there a different type of glue Mm, a non-sticky glue. It's, it, 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 it's, it's like a puff. It's a moon, it's a moon glue. Yes. Just anything that they won't pick at and leave a mess, you know, strong all over the floor. And there are even little magnetic booklets and mm-hmm. small chess boards that allow a child to sit politely. And for the girls, there are little toys that can be placed in a quiet canvas bag or purses, and they're only allowed to bring them out for a special time. And not electronics. Personally, not a, not not a, a fan. fan. Not yeah. A fan. Certainly we're training them for corporate worship, but we're also training them for educational self-control and electronics fire dopamine, which has the opposite effect of allowing them to have sustained attention. And many churches nowadays will offer a coloring page and crayons, which coordinate with the day sermon. And then some pastors, I remember in the early years I did this, I would give you know all the students or kids a special word to listen for during the sermon and then said, hey, I'll give you a special surprise or take you for a milkshake uh, if you know how many times I used it in the sermon, things yes, like that. that was so good. And by the time a child hits third grade, assuming we've worked with them, they really should be able to take basic notes and bring a small binder or journal so they can keep the notes all in one place Many Bible publishers now make teen or adult study Bibles with a place for notes. I think Peyton has she one. Does. So they can follow exposition and exposition, exposition and keep their notes for the entire book. Exposition. <laughs> Summarizing all that, we want to accept each child's uniqueness and then set a clear plan in place and provide special activities for them during the sermon, at least until first or second grade when they can kind of start taking notes. Yes, and one more, because okay. it would be number four, is to have them stand and join in singing. That's good. And what I mean is, you know, even when they're unable to understand words or too little to sing, have them stand to showcase respect and emulate what the adults are doing. And this will do a few things, including bring respect for the sanctuary where God's people come to worship. You know, it also will begin to lock certain hymns and songs with the doctrine into their little brain, but also it will keep them ready to do the provided special activity during sermon time. So just try to use as much energy as possible, standing, singing, greeting, so that by the time preaching starts, they're ready to, you know, stay put. put. (laughs) And there'll be setbacks, but stick with it. And even if you need to adjust slightly into an overflow room or the back of the sanctuary for a time, don't give up. We've all been there. Even when it was kind of funny, the pastor's family in quote had to sit near the back for a while because of a squirmy one. Absolutely. My lovely wife stuck with it. And one last one, Okay, sorry, is to involve them in ministry as soon as possible. Just meaning it's good to have them join you serving, which really trains their heart to see outside self. Which could be something like making and delivering cookies to a team or standing at the door to help greet 
or serve behind the tech booth watching guys push buttons or totally. whatever. Yeah, just trying to immerse them into the lifeblood of the church. And granted, it's a bit more work, but mm-hmm. prayerfully in the end, they'll see themselves as less of an observer and more of a participant. So let me try to round all that out. Raising children in a corporate church environment isn't easy, but it's important. And some helpful hints are accept their uniqueness, clarify the game plan, bring special activities, have them join in worship, and try to involve them in ministry wherever you can. And I know that sounds like a lot, but if we stick with it through the early years, we've done our part and can then trust the Lord to lead them accordingly. And we'll touch on that next week. Yes, we have two very special guests joining us next week. And we will wait. hit on all this again. It should be tremendous. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, raising children simply isn't easy. But we want to do it well. And we want children who love you like we love you. And that really is our ultimate desire. So help us with this. Amidst all the diapers and the tears and the tantrums and the training, Give us wisdom and please bless our children with obedience and respect for others, for us, and ultimately for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Date night fam, we sure hope all this is helpful. Lord willing, we will see you in a week. As always, thanks to Ethan for producing, Mission Bible for hosting, and FTG for supporting. Until next time, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) Gobble.